Welcome, everyone. This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. Go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about both ministries and to gain access to archives of this radio program and also an archive of full-length sermons. I'm glad you've joined us today. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. And as we go into our study before the Word of God, we pray that the Spirit of God would open our hearts to His truth. And we turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. The story is of the wicked king of Israel going with the good king of Judah to defeat a common enemy, the Moabites. They thought they had an invincible plan. And then they ran out of water on the way to the battle, and their armies were about to die of thirst. It's an illustration of the church and the Christian in a compromised relationship with the world, going in confidence of their success and dying for lack of the true water of the Holy Spirit that we truly need. And it's happening as we speak. Just when you think you've maximized your influence in the age in which you live, that peril comes upon you. Jehoshaphat and Jehoram had planned for every advantage against Moab. They were most confident in their strategies, and now, for lack of water, they're on the verge of death. They're on the verge of death. The church and the Christian that relies on their cunning and their planning and their block in the vote are destined to die out from lack of water. And think here for a moment of this water as the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon His people. Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit in this way. In John chapter 7, verses 7 through 39, he said, Come unto me and drink. He that believes in me out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. And the scriptures tell us that he spoke at that time of the Holy Spirit, for up to that point in time, he had not yet poured the Spirit out upon his people. The church suffers and nears death without the water of the Holy Spirit. It plans and strategizes its great advances through its programs, its dynamic presentations, its alliances with the spirit of the age, and it can go on doing this for decades, and it overlooks all that it's achieved and attained, and yet the one great thing that it needs above all else, when lacking the outpouring and filling of the Spirit of God, the water of spiritual life and power, it finds itself overextended in its proud reach, compromised in its worldly partnerships, and marching out towards ruin into a wilderness. It's all the better that God allows us to find ourselves and the church in a pinch, you might say, in the midst of the world in which we live, so that now we should learn that nothing we do as a church has life or value in it apart from the water of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. Not one song reaches heaven, nor one prayer, but that the Spirit brings it there. Not one advance the kingdom makes except by moves the Spirit takes. Without Him, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Our advances are a walk into the wilderness where we will die of thirst if the Spirit of God is not upon us and with us, filling us, and that quickly and suddenly. Here's a third lesson. Recognizing our peril because we do not have the Spirit of God poured out upon us and upon the church, we should do at least these three things. 
at least these three, these three things. First one is this. Desire to hear God's word spoken. Desire to hear God's word spoken. No more strategies. No more plans. No 10-step plan. No 7-step plan. No 8 plans that you need to do. No dynamic pamphlets on how to grow your church following the different methodologies of the movement and the machinery of people. No more how to get your discipleship experience through reading memes on Facebook or whatever. It's nothing like that. You desire to hear God's word spoken. Jehoshaphat says, is there no prophet of the Lord here? Jehoshaphat knew the direness of the situation and wanted to hear a word from God and from a man of God. And this was not simply a fashionable interest. It wasn't like he was saying, you know, it would be good every once in a while to hear a good gospel sermon. You know, every once in a while, I would just like to hear somebody take their Bible. I've heard people say this, you know, every once in a while. That's how it's usually said. Every once in a while, I'd like to have somebody, just once in a while, I'd like somebody to pick up their Bible and just expound God's word to us. Well, you don't want this every once in a while. It won't help you. You should want to hear God's word proclaimed and taught faithfully, regularly, often. You should want an individual coming up, not conjecturing and opining over his ideas, not laying over scripture, his own vision and his own dreams and his own ideas. I'll just put it on the side here. I grew up in pastoring, learning that as a good pastor, the one thing you had to do above everything else was really give your people in your church a vision for the church's program of growth and success. And in my first church as a senior pastor, there was a tremendous amount of pressure on me from my elder board that I would somehow lay out a pathway of the program of the church and that I would preach on it for two or three weeks. Well, I did a four-part series. After I'd spent some time studying my Bible to, to think about how I could say, here's where we're going and here are the scripture verses that we can attach to it. And so uh, I began preaching this series. Well, I think it was on my fourth lesson and my father happened to visit me while I was preaching that message. Just this week, I actually had one of my relatives ask me if my dad had ever given me any kind of advice after hearing me preach. Well, I preached this message, and my father took me aside after it was done, and he said, Joel, let me give you some advice. Never prostitute the word of God to the programs of the church. Do not take God's word and do not somehow use it to lay over it some illustration for what you're going to achieve and what you're going to accomplish in the programs you're going to pursue. I never forgot that not long ago a pastor came to me wanting me to read a book and it had a lot of good ideas in it. And the book was laying out a new strategy, a new way in which we should in this current age and in the setting in which we're in and because of the social dynamics around us, lay out a strategy for the things that the church ought to do in order to be successful and grow and multiply. And, and many of the principles were actually quite helpful and valuable. And as you read through it, he had a lot of illustrations. He pulled a lot of illustrations from various contemporary novels. He pulled a lot of illustrations from various movies. And he also, to capstone it off, pulled a lot of illustrations from the Bible. So the individual came to ask me what I thought of the book. And I, I basically passed her. I said, I thought there were some good things to to take from it. There might be some wisdom in it, but I would caution you about becoming a disciple of this man and his teaching. Why? Well, he's taken the Bible and he's put it at the level of movies and novels. It's just a source of illustration for his ideas. And that's not what we should get from the Word of God. It's God's Word. It's God speaking. It's God declaring where our direction and the way we should live. 
It's not meant to illustrate and to somehow underscore our vision and our dreams and our ideas and extrapolating all the different worldly wisdom that we can on how we should live and conduct ourselves and how to fit in and be as successful as possible and extract from this life as much meaning and purpose and underline some biblical scriptural passages that we can read as well to illustrate it. It's God's Word. At this moment in time, what Jehoshaphat wants above everything else is to hear a word from God. Is there no prophet of the Lord here? It must be a desire to find and know God's word and be led by it. Without this desire, we'll remain satisfied as we long have been with programs and presentations and performances and a human parade that's marching out all regaled into the desert. We'll continue to be happy with those things that reflect our acceptance in the world and the world's influence upon us. And at some point, we'll have to decide that what is needed is to simply hear the words of the prophet of God, to just hear, thus saith the Lord, to just hear the word of God spoken and made plain. Here's the second thing when you recognize our peril and the lack of the Spirit being poured out upon us, it's this. We must draw back upon the long-told story of our salvation. We must draw back upon the long-told story of our salvation. Elisha asked for music to be played for him. The language there indicates that what Elijah is asking for is for somebody who can sing the songs of Israel before him. In other words, he wanted to hear the psalms that they had learned through the ages to be sung to him. The songs that were sung at that time were unlike the songs that are generally sung in our churches today. Most of the songs that we sing in our churches today, not all, but most of them, have been written within the last five to ten years. But these songs that Elijah shot were those that have been passed down through the centuries. They were the songs of David and the songs even of Moses and of Miriam and of Deborah and of Barak. Maybe he asked them to sing for him at that point in time the song that Israel had learned to sing or had spontaneously sung when they had wandered into a situation like this before. There's a story told in Numbers chapter 21 where the people of Israel are actually entering towards the region of Moab. And at that time, this is after the people of Israel have come across the Red Sea and they're following Moses and they're wandering through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And they're coming to the region of Moab and they are suffering from profound thirst. And God speaks to Moses, the prophet, and says to him, Gather the people together and I will give them water. A well is discovered at that time and the the princes of Israel come and they pop off the lid of that well and there's water within the well and water is drawn up for the people. You can imagine the great joy in the people and the relief as they began to drink and feed their animals and themselves and drink in this water from this well. And the Bible says at that time they began to sing together and a part of the chorus of the song was, Spring up, O well! Sing it! Spring up, O well! Maybe, well, we don't know, but it could be that that's the song that was sung at that time. There were so many songs that God had given Israel, well over 150, and they had been sung over cribs and caskets for years, and they reminded those listening of the long history of God's gracious working among His people and His deliverances that He had brought to Israel. 
and Elisha wants those songs to be sung over him, and I'm most certain that he wants those songs to be sung over these three kings. So they'll hear the story recounted in song of what God had done over and over and over again. So their faith would grow and their sense of anticipation would be an answer from God. And our songs in the church are meant to draw us up to God and back upon God's work of salvation that's been demonstrated through the years. We sing those songs that other individuals have written as they sang about their experiences of God and God's salvation coming to them and sweeping over them and bringing them encouragement and answering them in the point of at which they needed rescue and God delivering His answer to them and learning from their stories of their encounter with the saving work of God. As we sing it, we say, God, I want that myself. I want these same experiences in my life. God, do what you did and do it now and do it for us so God works in our lives as we rehearse the long story of our salvation. That's what's taking place here as the song is being sung to Elisha. Here's the third thing. We have to dig our ditches. There's more to the story in this, but let's just make this our last point here. We have to dig our ditches. They had to dig ditches for something they could not see and something they could not make happen. Please join us in our next broadcast as we consider what those ditches we need to dig are. In the meantime, may God stir in you a thirst for His Word, a desire to hear it, and a desire to experience what others have known of a deep outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This has been the Bread of Life. You can learn more about our ministry by going to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.